and welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing. Once again, I am your weekly host, Joe Debra. And our topic for discussion today is weight loss, means to an end. Joining us today is a very dear friend of mine, person of Dr. Isha Seti. She's a board certified family physician and also obesity care provider. She's been practicing for about eight years in the Springfield, Missouri area. She is, of course, the boss of my boss, I'm married to Dr. Kunal Gugani, and has two wonderful children. She's a proud mom and a very wonderful person to get to know. Personally, she and her husband have uh, taken me under their wings as I joined their practice up here in the Springfield area. And they've been very instrumental in my um, getting used to practicing uh, on my own. Friends, I think it will be a great uh, conversation with Dr. Seti today. So weight loss means to an end. You know, it's very interesting because um, I was born in Ghana, as I have said over and over again on this show. And as I was growing up in our village, uh, weight, lo- uh, weight was actually considered the um, evidence of how a person's good life was. And so we would say that when you were big or when you had a bit more fat on your body, you had money, you were able to uh, buy the good food and things of that nature. Now, this might sound very strange to people in the Western part of the world, but if you live in a place where Kwashiakor and Marasmus are epidemics in their own right, you will certainly understand how it is only the rich who could afford to eat uh, the fat of the land, uh, so to say, while the poor were mainly uh, left to the means of the gardens or the farms that they attended to. Well, the good thing is we all grow in knowledge and wisdom, right? So certainly we realize that being obese is not really the best thing after all. So today we will be talking a lot more into this Um but let me not take too much of your time. Let's bring in our guest, and then we're going to just start uh, going right from there. Uh, for our listeners, we're going to have a lot of data for you today. So I will be um, attaching links to the resource or reference sites to this on the, post, uh, on the podcast. Well, Dr. Isha Seti, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Deborah. It's um, very excited to be here. <laughs> well, um, Dr. Seti, really, uh, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. What really is obesity um, and what is it all about? So obesity is a complex issue. It is caused when extra calories are stored in the body as fat. It's as simple as that. Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's very simple, but as she said, it's a very complex issue. So um, if it is caused when excess calories are stored in the body as fat, then certainly we will be talking about um, managements and things like that. But what are some uh, data or what are some information mm-hmm. that um, you can give us as far as this uh, phenomenon is concerned? So uh, there are several factors that play into um you know, the role of gaining uh, and carrying the excess weight. Uh, There's diet, there's physical activity. Genetics has a huge role to play in it. Sometimes medical reasons, for example, an underactive thyroid or a condition called Cushing syndrome um, can play into it. And then medications, uh, very common medications like medications for diabetes, antidepressants, steroids, 
um, can can lead on to excess calories. And then sometimes situational factors like smoking cessation can cause it. Uh, when you talk about um, weight, uh, obesity, really, um, uh, there are several ways that we also in the medical field uh, do measure this. Mm-hmm. And we will be talking about that because uh, we do have conversations with um, people about this all the time. So um, before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about obesity in um, childhood. Obesity in childhood is um, it's measured in a different way. Um, and okay. we have different scales as far as graphs are concerned. And each, um, when you come in for a well child visit, we check your height and we check your weight and we put them and we check into what percentile you stand. For example, if somebody is below the third percentile for that, we say you're, you know, you're underweight. And then when you're above the 97th percentile, that is when we start getting concerned and we have that conversation with the child, you know, the parents about, um, about the the obesity and what to do about it. Wow. So certainly then, um, we would. Uh, hope that for most of our patients, our children, um, we would uh, hope that their weight is within the fifth to about the eighty-fifth percentile. Because, as you mentioned, below the fifth percentile and above the ninety-seventh percentile, um, they uh, we consider either underweight or overweight. Thank you for that. Now, you did mention this measure in children. So, how do we measure obesity in adults? So, body mass index or BMI is the most commonly used method. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a simple, it's a reliable method for finding out if a person is at a healthy weight for their height. So for most adults, for example, uh, having a BMI, excuse me, having a BMI um, uh, of 18.5 to 24.9 is considered to be a healthy weight. A BMI of 25 to 29.9 is considered to be overweight. And a BMI of 30 and above is considered to be obese. Okay, okay. And uh, certainly the BMI, um, as you described in children, in adults also just um, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly factors in their weight and their height as well. Mm -hmm. So um, in in most instances, you will talk to a patient um, who, uh, what I consider the eye eye test really, um, by the eye test, this patient is obese. And so regardless of what the BMI is, mm-hmm. you really know that the patient is obese. And yes, the BMI does confirm it. But then you talk to them about the BMI being, let's say, 35 or 40. And they say, well, the BMI is not a really good test. Um, I had a patient one time describe to me as um, he sees the BMI as uh, you walk into the shopping mall. Let's say you go into Macy's and the attendant standing at the door picks up a, a, a jacket and says, Hey, everybody who is your height wears this size of jacket, so you should wear it. And so he is not a big fan of that. Now, like I said, by the height mm-hmm. test, you can tell that this person is obese. So what are some limitations on the BMI and um, what are some things we need to know about it? So th- that's correct, actually. You know, while BMI is a very useful measurement for most people, uh, it's not accurate for everyone. So, for example, it may be it not, may not be accurate in a very muscular person because muscles can add extra pounds, um, mm. resulting in a higher mm. BMI, and that may not be an unhealthy weight. Uh, BMI may also be influenced by um, by ethnic background. So, the scores that we just the measurements that we talked about a few minutes ago, they generally apply to people with a white background. So, if you mm. have an ethnic minority background, the threshold 
of uh, being considered overweight or obese may be uh, lower because you are maybe at a risk of getting health conditions like diabetes and heart disease at a much lower BMI. So those are the limitations. Wow, wow. Yeah, and um, uh, thank you for shedding some light on that. And um, uh, uh, to add to that, really, sometimes what I tell patients is, yes, though the BMI is um, like you clearly explained, it's not the best mm-hmm. test for everyone. When it comes to um, comorbidities or morbidity and mor- mortality associated with weight, BMI happens to be um, very consistent with this, or it's a very effective predictor Mm -hmm. of morbidity and mortality in um, overweight patients. And so even though it's not the best test for everyone, I think it's a very accurate Mm -hmm. predictor of morbidity and mortality. And that's why I think we in the science or the health community like yourself continue to rely on it uh, to give counsel and to advise patients. So thank you so much um, for that. Now, I am um, impacts of um, obesity um, on a person. So let's say for the one who is overweight, mm-hmm. what are some impacts? What are some things that makes us worry for the patient? I know you, you mentioned cardiovascular disease mm-hmm. and things like that, but I'm pretty sure that's not all. So I think your weight affects you mentally, it affects you socially, it affects you physically and spiritually, right? Um, mm. It Being at, um, at a weight that is healthy, it can have lots of health benefits. You know, it improves your blood pressure, it improves your blood cholesterol and your blood sugars. Mm. Uh, it decreases your risk of dementia and certain cancers. Um, it's good for your heart. It improves joint motility. It, um, it it improves your sleep, it improves your energy, it boosts your mood, um, and it also improves your self-esteem and your self-confidence. Mm, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, um, when you mentioned it, it, it impacts us um, spiritually. I, I started thinking about it. I was going to say, how does it impact us spiritually? But I really think that's uh, true, and um, I, I have a few things to share on that, but I will seek your opinion first, and then I will um, certainly add uh, some uh, some things to it. <laughs> so how does weight affect us spiritually? Well, how you feel about yourself is the most important. You know, what relationship mm. you have with yourself is what you have with the rest of the world. Um, and if mm. you're not happy with yourself, whether it's mentally or physically, um, you know, it's, you express it. Uh, spiritually and I think that's how it it it, it plays an important wow. role and even wow. in primary care we see this a lot you know you may yes, be yes. physically healthy your your blood pressure your vitals may be stable um, but weight can have an impact um, on how you're feeling and I, that that's and that's important wow wow yeah certainly and um, we do see that quite a mm-hmm. bit and um, as um, you were talking, what I was thinking about, um, so uh, I, I, I believe we've had this conversation. I'm a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. I, I say I'm a child of God above all things. And that actually influenced my um, going into medicine. Right. And one of the things that actually led me to medicine was um, the desire that I had to see people live their best life to be able to do what they need to do for God or, or whoever, whatever spiritual deity they believe in. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think it plays in here in the sense that um, 
we are spirit beings. Uh, I mean, across all religions in the world, I, I did a bit of studying of religions of the world. And one thing that was very um, consistent was that every single religion believes that we are spirit beings. Now, if we are spirit beings, then the only thing that really gives us the authority or the uh, legitimacy to walk upon this planet that we call Earth is our bodies. Um, at the end of the day, when a demonic power or a demonic spirit is noticed to be influenced in any situation in life, we say that's not right because they are not legal on it. But we have bodies and we are legal. And so if we will be able to serve our spiritual deity and live our spiritual life to the fullest, we need to maintain this body. And so not maintaining it as in being overweight and not being able to do the things we want to do, not being happy with our lives, like you said, I think post um, uh, limits what we are able to do with this body or this um, vehicle that we have uh, to be able to as, uh, exist on this planet. So I think certainly it does affect our spiritual life. I had not thought about it, but thank you for bringing it up. Oh, no. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that knowledge. Yeah, that's good to know. The million dollar question, and I believe everybody wants to know this. Um, uh, we will be going into management, but I want to give a few um, uh, data points here. And I say that uh, some of the resources that I personally use for obesity care is the CDC um, uh, government website they have for um, uh, for clinicians or providers and then for health con healthcare consumers. So I will make some of these um, links available. But the question is, why does weight loss matter? Before we even talk about the means or the methods, why does it matter? Well, it matters if you're at an unhealthy weight and if it's important to you. You know, if, if you're not happy within your own self and that's something you're trying to achieve, that's why it matters. Like I said, if okay. um, if you're at a higher BMI, uh, it, it it's, puts you at a risk of having health conditions like we talked about, high blood pressure, um, you know, fatty liver. It affects every organ of your body. And over a period of time, it only gets worse. So if you're at a weight that's putting you at these risks, health lo uh, weight loss uh, in a timely manner is important, and in a wow. in a healthy in a timely yes, and in, in a sustainable manner is is important. wow 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 healthy and sustainable manner. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Dr. Mm -hmm. Seti, how do we lose weight in a healthy and a sustainable manner? Okay, there's no single rule that applies to everyone. You know, we talk about mm. diet and we talk about exercise. The two, you know, biggest pillars of you know weight loss um, with diet. There's so many fad diets out there, and they may not be healthy. First of all, right? They may not be sustainable. Mm -hmm. They may make you ill. Um, you know, if you're trying to, so the, it's important that when you're trying to lose weight with diet, diet does have an important role that you do it in a safe manner and a sustainable, you know, manner. Um, so, in just in a general population, if you're trying to lose weight, um, what we mentioned is you know, decreasing your energy intake, decreasing your caloric intake by 600 calories a day will slowly and gradually help with, with weight loss. Um, and so that's, that's about the diet. Um, mm -hmm. About exercise, again, doing anything that you enjoy doing, you know, keeping your heart um, in, a, in a regular, at a regular heart rate, 
um, anything for 20 to 25 minutes a day, you know, to 75 minutes to 150 minutes a week of anything that you like doing that gets your heart rate up, whether it's running or biking or hiking or treadmilling, um, with two days of some sort of strength training will help um, more in maintaining weight loss. So you achieve weight loss, you know, with the diet and in order to maintain it, uh, physical activity is important. So those two would be the most important thing. Okay. So um, you did uh, certainly uh, say that there are quite a lot of diet out there. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the diet and is there any preferred diet method in the medical community? I know people usually will ask me about the Mediterranean diet. Yes. And I say, oh, that I know something about. But tell us a little bit about the Mediterranean diet and some of these other t diets out there because there's, I, I tried to Google it and uh, it was a lot. <laughs> That's correct. So there's so many fad diets, like I mentioned. There's the keto and there's the intermittent fasting. And everyone's different. And, you know, restricting carbs, a very low-caloric diet, um, you know, restricting your carbohydrates to less than 50 grams a day, Um everyone's different you know these are not sustainable they are good for uh, you know immediate weight loss if you're looking to lose weight quickly uh, mediterranean diet has been well researched and well studied and it helps with weight loss it helps with uh, long lasting weight loss in addition to achieving cardiovascular health so it helps with reducing your blood pressure like you know uh, reducing your risk of diabetes reducing your risk of um, alzheimer's disease and cancers um, in addition to long lasting um, weight loss so so that is the preferred mode uh, it's not a quick uh, mode but it's it's well researched and well evidence-based wow yeah and um certainly for those uh, who use our emr system there is a very nice gentleman and then there's another one for a lady mm -hmm. where they wake up the first thing they do is to go to a shopping uh, a fruit stall or something mm -hmm. like that so usually when i print it out for patients i say I just like this picture, so I wanted you to have it. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for that. Um, so uh, like Dr. Seti mentioned, there are uh, numerous um, diet uh, measures out there. And so um, you talked about some of the ones that usually you will talk with your uh, provider about. And then there are also these ones that I see on TV, like the Weight Watchers, mm -hmm. um, Biggest Loser, um, and I, I forgot them, but they are just numerous and you see them on TV all the time. Now, I personally don't know the um, utilities of most of these. I have looked into a few of them because patients are trying or considering taking them. Um, but uh, what is your take on some of these um, uh, TV meal or um, pre-prepared meal uh, source of diet that patients sometimes uh, talk about? So it depends on your convenience and it depends on uh, <clears throat> how motivated you are. It depends on your lifestyle. So each person, like I said, is different. Uh, there's not one rule. So finding something that works best for somebody is important. So for example, if someone's very busy, so pre-prepared foods, you know, getting healthy, non-frozen, non-preserved foods, is important so that would work well for that person for example if somebody has a lot of time you know then talking about a different diet would be different um as far as commercial diets are concerned again they don't have a lot of evidence they've got a lot of uh internet uh, virality to them but they're not very evidence-based um they come and go and i've tried a few to be honest just to see you know what the hype is about <laughs> but, 
why would you try it? You are imperfect. I'm actually very happy that when you mentioned exercise, you actually did add to it that exercise helps maintain weight. And sometimes that's um, a point that I think our patients uh, do miss, that they think the exercising is what's going to cause their weight loss. Um, but uh, it's actually good if you don't uh, dietary changes to supplement that with the exercise so you are able to maintain the weight. So thank you so much for that. Um, uh, the uh, Obviously, uh, there is a lot of uh, TV medications out there and prescription medications out there. So shed some light on some of these for us. So, yes. So medications. So after diet and lifestyle practices for a few months have not worked, then we start talking about medications. Uh, there are over-the-counter medications and prescription medications. Now, over-the-counter, I'll name one which has evidence behind it, and it's called Ordistat, right? Um, it's, it's, it's safer. Um, it works by, you know, you take it three times a day with fat-containing meals. It binds to the fats and helps with elimination of fat. Uh, and it leads on to terrible diarrhea. But again, some people can tolerate it, you know, as long as you don't have any contradic contraindications to it. So as far as over-the-counter medication, that's one medication that works well. Again, prescription medications, the whole different game you know they're the older medications that are controlled and habit forming you know you can't prescribe them for a longer period of time just, just because they're habit forming and um, they lose the tolerance over a long period of time and then there are these newer medications um, you know they, they've been there for the last few years started out as the, the uh, FDA approved both for diabetes and for weight loss um, and for weight loss alone even if you don't have diabetes but again then insurance coming you know so uh, that's a whole different story. Um, but yeah, as we talk about it, we take it in a stepwise algorithm manner. Start with diet, start with lifestyle. Again, the most conservative therapy, if that doesn't work, then we go on to medications, both non-prescription and prescription. Wow, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, and um, I'll uh, as far as the old medications mm -hmm. are concerned, like um, well, uh, most of them which are controlled, uh, fentamine is one of them. Right. And um, I, I, it's very surprising. Sometimes you see patients and they've been on fentamine for like five years, 10 years. And I'm like, why are you still taking this? As a matter of fact, I once encountered an 83-year-old lady wow. who is on fentamine. Yeah. And when I had that discussion with her, she actually was a little upset. But uh, the question is, at that point, what is the utility of it? And um, that's the biggest uh, thing I tell patients all the time. When your doc doctor starts you on diabetes medication, you come to see them every so often so they can make adjustments. But these habit-forming medications, once patients are started on it, it becomes a pain to be able to get them off of that. So. Uh, thank you for mentioning that, and I certainly um, hope that our providers who will be listening to us uh, are being mindful of these things, that some of these mess that are habit-forming in the long run doesn't benefit the patient except to build addiction and um, make it difficult for um, their care um, going forward. So I recently was at a weight loss conference um, because I want to be able to uh, benefit my patients or be able to help my patients in the best way possible. And one of the things that I, um, I, I got from the conference, even though it was very disheartening, one of the presenters said, when it comes to weight loss, the best method is surgery. So 
we will talk about my opinion a little bit, mm-hmm. but before we go into that, please tell us some um, other management options. So you talked about the lifestyle and then we talked about the medications. Mm-hmm. If these two fail, then obviously I believe surgery is an option. So what are some of the surgeries we have out there? Uh, we're not surgeons, so we're not going to go mm-hmm. into in depth of what these surgeries are about, but we can share a few uh, pointers here and there concerning any of these surgeries. So Tell us about weight loss surgery. So weight loss surgery is an aggressive method and it, you know, it is recommended if you've tried lifestyle practices and medications and you're still at a BMI that is putting you at a risk of having um, medical conditions that can impact your health. Um, They can be aggressive. They can be reversible versus irreversible. And we typically place a referral to bariatric surgery for that. Uh, There's gastric banding to gastric bypass so again when that time comes you know you have that conversation with what um what the patient what somebody is uh, looking forward to number one how motivated they are um to lose the weight and to keep that weight off because even following the surgery you know complications can happen and then you have the so you having a follow-up having a plan in mind um having that discussion about what surgery would work best uh, is important before proceeding and uh, placing that referral. Wow, wow. Yeah, and um, I, I think one thing that I want <clears throat> to point out and um, is something that sometimes go o- overlooked. So when we talk about weight loss, mm-hmm. um, we certainly uh, look at uh, three points, really, the um, lifestyle changes, the medical management, and I certainly believe that a third component of weight, weight loss is um, a patient's a psyche mm. or patient's um, mindset. And so you kept saying, depending on how uh, motivated they are and things of that nature. I think a lot of times that part is missing, that uh, tell them, uh, patients tell them themselves that they can do it, mm-hmm. it's achievable, it's attainable, and it's sustainable. Um, I think that sometimes, unfortunately, is missing. But uh, thank you for uh, kind of pointing those out as we uh, continue with this uh, conversation. I know we're going to be running out of time soon, but uh, weight loss is a big topic uh, and for right reasons. Um, But uh, I also read somewhere that on average, um, uh, patients who lose weight um, will, uh, whether through medication or even um, the bariatric surgeons tend not to agree with this, but I think it's true that even with uh, surgery, they tend to uh, regain the weight uh, after a few years, depending on their lifestyle habits. So is it just lifestyle habits, the reason why within five years, most of our patients regain the weight that they had lost uh, or there is more to it? So it depends, again, like you mentioned on the psyche, on how motivated they are to keep the weight off, of course, and the the type of surgery. So there's restrictive surgery versus malabsorption surgery. So from gastric banding to gastric bypass. um, So between the two, people have different outcomes based on how, what kind of surgery and how motivated they are to keep doing the lifestyle practices after surgery. And those two are the biggest. Yeah, I had a conversation with um, a bariatric surgeon recently, and they seem to be leaning more closer to the sleeve surgery now. They they seem to be liking that more uh, uh, than the banding now. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, I think he mentioned that 
banding will be out of favor soon. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but again, I'm not a surgeon. So you've done the lifestyle habits, you've done the um, prescription medications. Um, now, at what point do we refer, uh, should a patient consider seeing a bariatric surgeon? Um, I ask this question because in part, personally, I think getting them on board early is good because sometimes they have just resources that I may not have as a primary care physician. But um, what do you are certified in obesity care, so you know more about this. Uh, please uh, tell us a little so bit So bariatric surgery may be a good option for you if your body mass index is 40 and higher, um, co called extreme obesity, or if you're a BMI of between 35 to 39.9, um, and you have other comorbid conditions like sleep apnea, hypertension, mm -hmm. Um, hypercholesterolemia, type 2 diabetes, uh, and then you benefit from the weight loss surgery at the lower BMI. Okay, okay. So uh, BMI 37 to 40, if you have comorbid conditions, and about 40, if no comorbid conditions. So what is your take on um, me having um, bariatric group, not for patients to necessarily have surgery, but when I see, let's say, a patient uh, with a BMI of uh, 35 and has all these other uh, comorbid conditions, they don't meet criteria, but I believe that they will benefit from being able to touch base with um, the bariatric surgeon, the nutritionist, the dietitian, and all these other people, which I believe um, for me is a group affair or a, a group therapy. Um, so what, what is your take on that? Again, I think each person is different. And even if the BMI is at a much lower uh, than, you know, uh, than what is needed for a referral, if they have comorbid conditions, absolutely a referral. Because again, it depends on how motivated one is in order to feel better, in order to keep the weight loss. Um, so group therapy works, you know, it, you learn from one another and it's, it's a great exercise before doing anything aggressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Surgery always should be the last resort because uh, most of these surgical options are irreversible. And even if they are reversible, there are other complications that we um, may not be getting into right now. Well, Dr. Seti, before I ask for your uh, final words, um, I left this question purposely for the end because uh, it's a, a, a difficult conversation to have. Talking to a patient about the weight is difficult. Um, accepting as a listener who is overweight is difficult to accept that I'm overweight and I need to do something about it. So how do we go about having this conversation? So first of all, whether you are uh, visiting with somebody with a patient um, for a physical or for another condition, you know, you go through the vitals and you take permission from them. You know, um, it, it, can I, you know, discuss uh, your BMI? Is it okay if you discuss your weight? And then you see how um, agreeable they are. And if that's something they're interested in discussing with you and they feel comfortable in discussing with you, then we take the conversation further. And, you know, in, within that conversation, it's important to note, again, how motivated one is, what expectations one, uh, one has, and what all one has done um, prior to that conversation in order to be healthier. So based on that, again, then we take it further. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Dr. Seti, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss this all-important topic in weight loss as a means to an end. Uh, we've talked about the physical aspect, we've talked about the emotional aspect, we've talked about the spiritual aspect. Um, what would you share with our listeners um, as your final words for us today? Oh, well, it was nice to be here, so thank you for having me. Um, and this was wonderful. And then as as far as obesity, again, it's it it is it's it's technical. You know, being healthy, uh, it's it's a very complex issue. It comes from within. It's again being mentally healthy and being physically healthy, being spiritually healthy, um, is very important, and it's a very personal um, thing. So make sure that whatever you're doing, you keep that. Um, thing in mind and you know proceed forward with your life because it's important wow wow well thank you so much dr seti and dear listener as she uh, rightly said um obesity care is an individual approach um your means of losing weight will not necessarily be the same as your colleague or even your family member um, but certainly having that conversation with your doctor um, is uh, important uh, based on what Dr. Seti uh, has uh, made us understand. And I will also say um, uh, before we leave you today that you need to realize that obesity with a, a BMI that is causing some of these problems that Dr. Um, Seti did mention to us is a disease. And so it has to be handled as such. Um, not because anybody wants to look down on you, not because anybody wants to judge you or put you in a certain box that you don't necessarily fit. Um, it's a disease that can lead to a lot of other conditions that she has mentioned to us, cardiovascular disease, joint problems, um, diabetes, fatty liver, and every other thing that she talked about. And most importantly, it does have an impact on your spiritual health. Because if you are not happy with your life, if you are not happy with the life that God has blessed you with, you wouldn't be able to serve him in the way that you need to serve him. And also, if you are not maintaining this body in a healthy state, you wouldn't be around long enough to accomplish what you were put here to do in the first place. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we hope that you will join us sometime next week as we bring to you again another life-provoking or thought-provoking, life-changing topic on Hour of Healing. Once again, God bless you for listening, and bye-bye. Thank, Thank you, Joe.